Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. So many times, and I think there are probably some in the room this morning that came today, some of you turned on the stream and you're looking for God. Well, number one, I want to tell you how thankful I am that you did, that you showed up, that you're on the stream. But I got a surprise for you. He's looking for you a lot more than you're looking for him. And there's something he delights in, something he desires. It's the only thing in the New Testament that there actually is a statement that said God is seeking something. He's seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. Now, he's seeking the lost. And that's very clear from what he did in sending his own son. But it's interesting that he says, those who belong to me, I'm looking for something. And what's he looking for? Worshippers. Worshippers. And so I just think that today, this line, the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And God, by the way, he always gets what he's looking for. He always finds what he's looking for. He will find you. He knows. And I think today, as we've started a series called First Things First, I pray every day worship is a part of our rhythm of life. It's a part of our journey. And so I want to take you to a place in the Scripture where he actually talks about it. In fact, it's the longest recorded teaching on worship. In the New Testament. In fact, it's the longest conversation recorded that Jesus had in the New Testament. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go to John's Gospel, the Gospel of John. Turn it on, open it up, whatever you do to get to that place. And go to John 4, and we're going to start in verse 16. We're going to jump in the middle of this story. And while you're turning there, while you're getting it ready, whether online or in the room, I want to, I want to give you this. This is staggering to me. A few years ago, Barna did a study of church people. Okay, now we're not talking about random people on the street. We're talking about church people. And here's what he found. 32% of people who regularly go to church say they have never experienced the presence of God in worship. They have never experienced the presence of God in worship. When I read that, I'm like, what in the world are they doing? I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about their church. They've never experienced the presence of God in worship. And two-thirds couldn't describe what worship really is. It, when they were asked, what is worship? I, we don't know. And here's the sad part of it. Half of those people that, was, that were surveyed said, worship is not a priority. Let me tell you something. I'll give you one reason you woke up today and God put breath in you so you could worship him. And if it's not a priority, neither is living. So here's, here's the, the question. 
do we see worship as something that we get to do? I prayed this morning when I left, Rachel was still, hadn't gotten up yet, and I, I, I pray with her. And as I was praying, I just said, Lord, I just want to thank you for letting us worship you today. I want to thank you for opening up the, the gates so we could come into your presence and worship you. And it just sounded so strange that I would say that, but yet it's so true. Worship is a gift. Martin Luther, the reformer, you know, that literally helped us get back to the Word and, and trust in faith and grace and not in the church and, and not in works of man. You know what he said? The Reformation will not be complete until everyone has two things in their hands. What do you think the two things were that Martin Luther suggested? Number one, a Bible. That's natural. I mean, you would think that. Here's the second one, a hymn book. Now, granted, that was the context of that day for worshiping God in music was through a hymn book. We still have hymn books. They're in a closet somewhere back here. But, but it's not important. Is it a hymn book? It's worship. Martin Luther believed, no, the Reformation will not be complete until my people understand this word matters and so does worship. It matters. So I think today we got to start with what Jesus said about worship. Let's go to the text. Let's read what happened. I, I, I got to warn you now, we're jumping in the middle of a story. All right? The story is a woman by herself at a well. She's Samaritan. It's in Samaria. The Jews didn't like Samaritans, Samaritans didn't like Jews. Great long history. We don't need to go into that, but Samaritans were not best friends with Jews. Jesus goes to Samaria, John 4, because he needs to. I just think it's code for he knew that woman was waiting on him. He shows up. There's a woman. He begins a conversation with her. And he asks for water. And she is shocked that he would, number one, talk to her, being a woman, and then ask for water. And then in the conversation, Jesus says something to her about living water. And he said, if you knew, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water, water that you will never thirst again. Well, that got her attention. And so she said, well, then, sir, give me some of that water so that I don't have to come here to the well and draw. She thought he was talking about a physical water. And then it happened. The longest conversation on worship. The, the dialogue immediately turns to worship. I just think it's so interesting, the context for this discussion on worship. This is what happens in verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband. Tell him to come here. And the woman answered him and said, sir, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. So what you've said is true. The next thing she says is Captain Obvious. Uh, it's a little bit, I can't believe she just said that. And the point is, she says, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Oh, really? Lady, what was the clue? What was your first clue? 
that he knew everything about you, that he knew how many husbands you'd had? Yeah. You're not talking to just a normal person. You're talking to somebody incredible. But here's, here's what's interesting. Think about it. She's had five husbands. The one she has now is not her husband. And yet he's about to teach her one of the greatest lessons on worship. So you know what it tells me? He is seeking worshipers, not perfect people. He's seeking worshiper, not, not people who have their life all together and everything fixed. If you're streaming or you're in this room and you think that, you know what, i got to get everything fixed before I can come into his presence, you're wrong. In fact, the beauty of the cross is that he made a way for you when you couldn't get your life fixed. And so here's this woman who is in a wreck of a, of a life, and he's about to tell her about worship. So here's what happens. Yeah, I, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she says it. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. And it won't matter when it comes, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. The hour has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he's going to tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Drop the mic. That's it. You just met the great I am. And so here in this moment, all of a sudden, she sees something. And I hope and pray you see it. What God is looking for, what He is seeking. So let's first let's first define worship, okay? Because there's so many strange definitions and, and mindsets about worship. Here's the definition. It's a working definition, so I will tell you that obviously there's things you could change, but here's kind of what I, I use. Worship is loving and delighting in God by what you say, think sing, or live. It's loving and delighting in God. Now, delighting just means joy. Take joy. Makes me smile. Makes, me, makes my day. Delight in. What you say? Can you worship without singing? Yes. Yes. You can just say it? Absolutely. Well, what if I don't say it? Well, you can think it. And by the way, you're just as loud in God's ear when you think as when you say. You can think it, or you can sing it, or you can live it. I mean, if you're a carpenter and you're here, you're in the building trade, guess what? You can build to the glory of God. You're, you're a, a hairdresser. You can do hair to the glory of God, most of it. You are whatever you are, you can do it to the glory of God. Paul said, whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. So our life can literally be worship. 
the way we live. We're doing it to say, God, you are an awesome God. So worship, three words to help us kind of move around this conversation Jesus had. Here's the first word, reason. Write the word reason down. Remember the word reason. Worship is the reason you exist. Worship is the reason we exist. It's why you got up this morning. It's why you have breath in your lungs. You were created to worship. And so what about those people who have never heard the gospel? That's why we go tell them. So they can worship the one who created them. Worship is the highest thing we can do to give him honor and to give him glory. John Piper said it this way. He said, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, we go because we want the nations to know who he is and join us in that chorus. Holy is the Lord. Judson Cornwall said it this way. It is not that man cannot live without worship. It's that he cannot fully live without worship. Man was made to worship as surely as he was made to breathe. Probably 30 years ago, I remember reading a story about some whales that got trapped in Alaska. The ice formed, and there were three of them, Point Barrow, Alaska. And so all of a sudden, it was a, a dilemma. What are we going to do to save these whales? You know, as whales, they're mammals, and they have to breathe. But what was happening is the ice was closing up their avenue and their access to open sea, and they were getting trapped, and it was going to be all ice and they were going to suffocate. And you know what we did? We went up and we drilled holes in the ice. And those whales came up from under that ice and they came up in that hole and they just literally stayed there to breathe. And then we went a little further and we drilled another hole. And every hole we drilled was getting them closer to the open seas until the final day when they swam under that ice and they came up and they were free. You and I need a place to come up and breathe. We have been under so much. People tell me, I, I just, COVID has made me numb, the fear of everything, the anxiousness that goes with it, and all the things that are happening in my life, even that are totally unrelated to COVID. We've been under so much ice. It's time we come up and breathe. And God has made this amazing hole for us to do it. It's called worship. You've got to breathe. Worship is the reason we exist. The second word, worship is our response to all that God has done for us. It's our response to all that God has done for us. Now be careful with this one. It's not our response to everything going on in our life. No, no, no. Our worship is not about what's going on around us, but about the one who is in us. Because what will happen to you is when you go through hard times, you won't worship It'll take your song away because you want everything to be good and right before you worship. Well, then guess what? You'll never worship. The reason we worship is not because our life is good. It's because our God is good. So it's our response to him, and it's how we respond to the awesomeness of God. And it happens in all kinds of ways, okay? It's not a feeling. 
There's so many times I hear people say, well, yeah, I just didn't feel anything. So what? You want to feel something? Go to a doctor. Okay? And they'll tell you, hey, it's just going to be a little pinch. Nope. Not quite, doc. I went to the dermatologist this week. He looked at me and said, you know, everything looks good. I don't see anything to worry about. He said, there's one little place, though, I just want to, I want to, hit, it with a, I want to hit it with a little ice, a little cold air. No, he unleashed the fury of hell on me <laughs> in a can. I don't know how it came out of that can. And he looked at me, and of course, we're great friends. He looked at me, he goes, man, after what you've been through, that can't hurt. I said, yes, it does. <laughs> it hurts. We're not about feelings, guys. If feelings come, that's awesome. There are times I worship and I weep. There are times I worship, I'm, I'm, I get goosebumps. I mean, I, I have all the feelings. There are times I worship, I don't feel any of it. But it doesn't mean I don't worship. So worship is not feelings. Worship is not music. It's not music. There's so many people that say, well, you know, I can't wait to get to the service so I can worship. Why do you have to wait? Well, I don't have any, you don't have to have music. Listen, all music is not worship. I went to several ZZ Top concerts. I did not worship. <laughs> but it was music. You can't confuse worship with music. Oh, well, worship is a program. No, it didn't. But speaking of programs, we're going to have a night of worship one week from tonight, six o'clock. Our worship ministries just felt like, you know what, we want to worship. And we want people to come who just come for one reason, to worship. There's going to be worship, there's going to be scripture read, and there's going to be a time to pray for one another. That's it. So one week from the night, six o'clock. But it's not a program. If it's a program, then you have to be here or you have to stream in order to worship, and we know better than that. So let me tell you, worship in Scripture is all about a response, okay? It's all about our response. And let me show you. The two words most often used for worship, the two words most often used for worship, number one is the word in Hebrew, shaha. It's literally used 112 times in the Old Testament. The Greek word equivalent in the New Testament is proskunite. You know what those words mean? They mean to get on your face before God. Literally, to get on your face before God. Number one words used for worship, to get on your face before God. Number two, the second word is, is a word, a bond. In Hebrew and latreo in, in Greek, it means to serve. The scripture actually says when you are serving God or you're serving others, that is worship. Romans 12:1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, but brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice. And then he says, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. See, we think of worship in so many ways. God thinks that it was this, when we get on our face and when we serve. So that's scriptural as we respond to God. And I can just tell you, it's a response. Now, it takes many forms. You can respond. You don't have to get on your face every time. But if you want to, you can. And it's been a long time since I've said it. But at any point in a service, you are welcome to get on your face before God in this room. You are welcome to do whatever you feel is appropriate because there's so many ways to respond. 
I just want us to respond. My, my uh, granddaughter, she stays with us uh, usually once a week. And her brother, who is now old enough to be in, in school over at TFA, uh, he, he goes to school, but she gets come to our house, to Nana's house and Papa's house. She loves baby dolls. I mean, absolutely loves baby dolls. I got permission to bring one of them. So this is one of her baby dolls. And watching her with this doll, and by the way, her, she names, this one's name is Hawkins. Hawkins. In fact, it's the name of all of her baby dolls. She has a second cousin, a baby, that was born in the family named Hawkins. So it's the only baby she knows, so every baby's named Hawkins. Okay, I've watched her with this baby doll. She's got a little stroller. She'll take it out in the backyard. We went out and went fishing the other day. She rolled it down to the to fish. I've watched her care for this baby. Oh, my goodness. She's got the most incredible mothering instincts, instincts. And she's two years old. I mean, two and a half. I mean, she's just got it. And she has a great mom. She's learned it from her mom. And she's really learned it from her grandmother. And I watch her. But there's something interesting. She will feed the baby. She will carry the baby, hold the baby, do all kinds of stuff. But there's something I've never seen happen. I've never seen Hawking say thank you. I've never seen this baby doll do anything. In fact, all this baby does, is that right there? That's all the baby does. Right there. Is that how you respond to the goodness of God? Nothing. Is that how we say thank you? By doing nothing? You see, worship is our response to God. Worship is hugging God. Worship is saying thank you to God. Worship is embracing. We're not a doll. We are saved by the grace of a loving, awesome God. And so our response is worship. And now listen, it'll, it'll take a lot of forms. Every once in a while I hear people say, oh, well, I, the way I worship is this, but that's the only way to worship. No, it isn't. Why don't you look at this statement? There is no single right way to worship. You got it? Don't look at a brother and sister and say, you're not really worshiping. Yeah, they are, because worship is personal. Worship is our response. If it's programmed, I wonder if it's personal. I wonder if it's your response or if it's what somebody told you to do. That's why, and the team here knows it, I do not want anybody up here telling you, well, you do this, you got to do this, you got to do that. Nope, you do whatever you feel is appropriate to do. You've seen Adam Borland get up and dance. I'll tell you something. He asked. If I feel like it and I feel that's my response to the Lord in worship, is it okay if I dance? I said, absolutely, it's okay. I'm telling you that it is our response, and there's multiple ways to respond. The Old Testament is one of the most diverse pieces of literature when it comes to worship. Because in the Old Testament, you're going to see dancing, and you're going to see running, and you're going to be see sitting, bowing. You're going to see shouting. You're going to see quietness. Music, art, life, I mean, it's every kind of thing. So don't ever look at somebody and say, well, that's not the right way to worship. There's no single right way. In fact, I'll show you one that's very interesting to me. 
the psalmist. 71 times this word is used in the Psalms about worship. And here's the word. Selah. You know what that means? Be quiet. Pause. Think about it. In the Baptist church, if there's silence, it's because somebody forgot their part. <laughs> Somebody's supposed to be up here saying something. We don't know what silence is. We don't know how to pause. And yet 71 times. So maybe worship can be just you sitting and watching a sunrise. Don't say a word. What can you say? So all of these help us worship. And we worship both individually and corporately. Yeah, corporate worship is powerful and, and it's awesome and it's moving. But it's not better than private or individual worship. In fact, my theory on it is this. Corporate worship happens best when a bunch of individual worshipers get together. That's when it becomes awesome and God honors it. So you can do privately as well as corporately. What I would tell you, there are three words that I try to gauge my worship by. Number one, wonder. Have I lost the wonder of God? Have I lost this incredible wonder for him? Number two, awe. Am I in awe of God? Or is it comfortable? Or is God just somebody else, just like a friend? No big deal. No, it's a big deal. I am in awe of him. That's why my favorite hymn is, I stand, in the maze, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. James chapter 2 says the demons shudder when they think of God. You know what the word shudder is? Awe. Literally the word for awe. If the demons are in awe of God, oh my goodness, how much more should we be? And the last word is humble. Oh, don't ever come before him in pride. Come before him with humility. Thank him for the access that he gave you through his, the death of Jesus. Thank you for the privilege, God, that you've given us to worship. You know, there's only one gift that you will never be rejected. One gift God will always welcome. You know what it is? It's not your money. It's not your song. It's not your whatever. You know what it is? A broken heart. Psalm 51, 17. God will not despise a broken heart. What does that mean? You come with brokenness and humility. God will welcome you in every time. So I always ask myself, am I, humble? am I humble today? Am I coming in awe and wonder? So worship is my response. The last thing, it's relationship. It's relationship. We, we know him. He, he's our Lord, our Savior. The woman in this conversation that she had, I, I want to put, put it up on the screen. She has this moment, and as they're in this conversation, she realizes something. She brings up the fact there are two mountains, one in Mount Gerizim and one in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. What's that about? Worship is not a place or a preference. It's a person. It's not a preference or a place. I mean, it's okay to love a certain style of worship. It's okay to love. I love going in that building and worshiping, or I love going. But it really isn't about that. We all have favorite places where we've worshiped. One of mine was a cave outside of Jerusalem where some of the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. 
And we crawled into this cave and we sat there and worshiped. But I don't want to have to take you to a cave every time we want to worship. I just know it's not a place. It's not a style. It's a person. And Jesus is standing there. And as I said, it's the longest conversation he had with anybody. So let's go on to the rest of the text. As he stand there talking, he said, the hour is coming and is now here. Jesus coming changed everything. He showed up and said, hey, it doesn't matter whether you're in Mount Gerizim or you're Jerusalem. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So in other words, Jesus said, I'm here. Worship me. You see, worship is to God, not just about God. Worship is to Jesus, not just about him. And I don't understand this. Why do we worship him as if he's not in the room? Why do we worship him? He's way off somewhere. He, surely he hears us. Surely he sees us. Hey, guys, he not only hears you, sees you, he's with us. And so when we worship, he is with us. And the Father said he's seeking what? He's seeking people who will worship in spirit and in truth. And let me tell you what I think he's saying. In spirit is referring to those who will focus on him. God is a spirit. He's not a mountain. He's not a temple in Jerusalem. He is a spirit. He's everywhere. So guess what? You can focus on God anywhere and everywhere. He's not a musical instrument. He's not a platform. He's not a person. I've had people tell me, man, you know, I just couldn't worship today because they didn't do my song. Well, then are you worshiping the song or are you worshiping God? Or I just couldn't worship today because so-and-so wasn't there to lead it. Are you worshiping a person that leads? We worship a person. And we worship in spirit, meaning our focus is on him. And in truth, you know what that means? We're real. We don't sing songs we don't mean. We sing songs we mean. We worship him, and it's the real us. By the way, this journey we're on, the 40-day journey, if you're not on it, I want to encourage you. You can still text and be a part of it, and you'll be sent a scripture every morning. And with that scripture, a guide and a prayer guide, and now we're going to add a worship guide to it. But the scripture today just happens. This is the scripture today, Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call out to him, say it with me, in truth. Meaning those who call out to him and they mean it. It's real to them. So that's what he's looking for today. And that's who we are. God, when we say we love you, we mean it. So here are two questions I want you to ask yourself. I want you to finish these sentences. They're going to be in your journey text every morning, by the way. Here they are. Finish this. God, I love you because. How would you finish that? One of the things about you, God, that I the most delight in. How would you finish that? Don't tell me. Tell him. I just think today he's looking for worshipers. And you know what? He always finds those he's looking for. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.